Sa Kuna Howdy, folks. Welcome to We'll See You in Hell. This is the podcast that you turn to in your darkest hour. When you say, life's got me down, but I need something to get me up. How about my boys, Pat and Joe, talking about some of my favorite films, or films I haven't seen yet, or films films I don't like. Aren't even that good. Uh, and that's us. We're here to do it today. Uh, last episode was about love, actually. And um, I feel now that we've gone completely off the rails on this show, and now we're just kind of talking about almost any movie we feel like talking about. Well, I didn't know till about five minutes before the end that, that last one was going to be about love, actually. I said it at the very top of the episode. I know, but you were like, maybe it'll be Cam, maybe it'll be love, actually, at that time. But then it kind of took off. This one is Cam that we're doing now, right? This is going to be Cam. But okay. I will say that Love Actually does fit into the agenda of our podcast. It's because a certainly a fantasy. It's a fantasy. People loving one another. What, right. what is this horse shit? Yeah. Uh, today will be Cam, though. Today new, will be uh, Cam. Blumhouse film on Netflix. Uh, well, let's get on with the show. And at the same time, let me see if I can work in a song that was just banned by American Radio. Uh, I can get you in there somewhere. But baby, it's jolt outside. (laughs) I really can't stay. But baby, it's jolt outside. Was it banned? It was banned by radio. It's a song about... The age-old practice of trying to get a woman to stay and have sex with you. Uh, there's been tweets for 10 years about how the, the song Was it is, really banned, or was it just some It was officially that... banned, but the, for today they were like, it's too date-rapey. I think the reason it was banned is because they do stuff like this to keep Fox News humming for like three hours. Okay. Because when something like that gets banned, they can go, can you believe this, guys? They did this, and then America won't notice that all of our leaders are going to jail by the end of the year. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But yeah, they, they have apparently banned it. It There is a creepy element to the song. It's using, <laughs> using the snow to keep a woman there to fuck you. But at no point is she like, I'm leaving. You're creeping me out. And he's like, no, you're going to stay, baby. <laughs> it gets weird. Yes. But, you know, the song was written in like the Meet Me in St. Louis days. <laughs> Now, would you ever meet me in St. Louis? Just out of curiosity. Look, I'm going to St. Louis in about three weeks. But do I mean if that? If you want to meet me there. That's not what I asked you. Do, do I mean that much to you that you would go out of your way to meet me there? Well, you know I would. I have family and friends there. Forget I'd love to go to St. Louis. Let's say you didn't have fa- Let's change the location. Chicago. Would you meet me in Chicago? I love Chicago. Poughkeepsie. That's a better Poughkeepsie example. I wouldn't go, no. Not even for me. I'd just see you when you get back to town. But Chicago, I'd go, and we could have, we'd have a nice What if weekend. I said, Pat, I'm moving to Poughkeepsie. I'm never coming back. I might meet you there once a year or something. But... All right, that's all I need. 
We should tour. We should tour to Chicago and St. Louis. And Poughkeepsie. Maybe Poughkeepsie. You never know. You know, the fans are in the damnedest of places. You never know where they're Apparently, at. Apparently, as I saw on the Facebook page, they're doing that uh, show we did at Columbine again. And frankly, I think we should be on it. Uh, well, after the smash raving success of our 15 person attended screening it was of attended pretty well maniac cop 2 at 6 45 in the morning i had fun that weekend it was i had fun. a great time but uh you know i'm just saying we didn't really set the town on fire that's true uh who's there this year uh i don't know i don't know but i'm hoping we get in that's all i'm saying all right fair enough now joe and i today it was just all over the place. My <laughs> sister's in town. I went to a drag brunch. They were like, come meet us for brunch. I walk in, there's guys in drag dancing and then like aggressively demanding dollar bills. Just like I was at a strip club. And I was like, oh, I'm here with my wife and my sister. This is weird. And I didn't have any dollar bills, but they kept insisting. The whole day I was thrown off my game. Uh, I left. I met Joe at some... Real shitty Italian restaurant. I'm sorry. It was all right. It wasn't bad. Place sucked. Uh, I enjoyed my meal. Watched Joe eat a meatball. I had a beer. We just kind of kept drinking. We went to the drawing room, which is a, a local bar here that closes at 2 a.m. and reopens at 6 a.m. That is the darkest bar I've ever been it's in. A dark bar. I mean, it is windowless. And for the first time ever, ever, of the, all the years I've gone there, the bartender opened the door to let light in. Yeah. And even then, because the entire foyer of the bar is painted red, all that did was send this like satanic glow into the, into the bar from the outside. Yeah. It didn't make it feel any more alive or anything. I feel like it's a bar where the patrons do not want to be reminded that there is a bright sun outside. They want to drink and forget everything. And uh, it was bleak, and then we got an Uber over here, and it's been bleak here ever since. Pat has eaten, since we got here, two. Well, they come in a two count. Well, they come in a two count. I assumed one was for me, but I guess not. You didn't go anywhere near it. Uh, two ice cream. What were they? Whipped cream cookie sandwiches? Whipped cream, and, and surprisingly low in, in the calories because it is whipped cream, which is a, a low-carb dish. But not a healthy dish by any means. I saw it at the grocery store. I go to the grocery store so rarely that I always want to make the most of it. Joe bought supplies to make us nachos. I've yet to see nacho one. I'm going to make them when we're done. Uh, I'm doing screwdrivers for us. We're having a nice time. And I had a, a whipped cream cookie or two, you know. And we're due at a, we're due at a holiday party. Uh, we're not going to, people are not going to like us at this party. I don't think they would have liked us. We're going to ruffle the feathers. I, I mean, I'm in a state. <laughs> I'm in a state. I remember once Pat and I went to, uh, on a Sunday afternoon, we went late morning, about 1130 or 12, we went to the House of Pies here in Los Angeles, yep. and we both ordered uh, the, the, the their version of the Grand Slam, which is like three yeah. pancakes two eggs, and then I believe at House of Pies, they give you all three of the meats. Most yeah. places, they'll go, you can have bacon, sausage, or ham. House of Pies, they go, you got, you can get all three. Well, they got the meats. 
Uh, they got the meat. Are you talking about the time we went after Ghostbusters and everybody talked about how much they love Ghostbusters? No, 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 no. no. This was uh, in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, and we got this thing. Now, the, the special, this best special that I'm referring to, on the menu it says it comes with, uh, the pancakes come with whipped cream and fruit on top of them. Right. And I said, for God's sakes, please. Do not put the whipped cream and fruit on my pancakes. Yeah. This is enough, like what you're already doing. Pat said, pile it on. I, I want it. We ate this thing. We were going to go see Black Mass afterwards. Wow, this is quite a memory. That was years ago. Yeah. And I felt like I was going to... Dude, I felt like I was in a fucking fever dream after I ate this thing. And I turned to Pat, and you, and you went, Joe, I'm in a state right now. <laughs> I didn't know how we were going to make it through Black Mass. We went, we saw it. We rented a James Adomian, hilarious comedian. Yeah. He sat and watched Black Mass with us. Right. It was a good day, but it was it was tight. It was tight. It was tight. You know, the drink I had at the drawing room today. Uh, you mean? Yeah. I I had a, a vodka and soda, and it was ninety nine point nine percent vodka. You know, it was painful to drink. I ordered the and shot. It set me down a path. I ordered their shot beer special, which is eight dollars. I saw her pour that thing. I mean, you had a, a glass of whiskey. Yeah, it, it's a mil- domestic beer and a shot of uh, Redemption whiskey for eight bucks. She gives me the beer. She starts pouring the shot. I mean, it's just it just she just keeps go. It was like a Three Stooges gag, yeah. like look, 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 look. Yeah. And I at one point she's still pouring, and I go, lady. What are you trying to marry me? Jesus Christ. Yeah. She's like, it's the drawing room. That's how we do it. I was like, I know it's how you do it, but Christ, it's 2 p.m. Like, give me a break here. Yeah. And they were married. I don't know if you remember that, but you were married. We did get married after. She hasn't been home since, which worries me. (laughs) Uh, Folks, let me take you down. Already? I mean, why not? All right. Take Pat's movie there. corner. I have so many that I'm trying to get through. I think I have two for this one. Folks, <laughs> uh, I watched... I'm going to go with sequels today. I watched a little picture called Daddy's Home 2. It's on Amazon Prime. Somehow it, it's not a porno movie. Daddy's Home was bad... But it was not as bad as, like, Get Hard with Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. I saw Daddy's Home, and I was like, God damn it. Because Will Ferrell is not an old man, but, like, the other night I'm sitting at home. I got home from work, and I was just furious, as I often am when I get home from work. And I told Heather, I was like, I need a little time to myself. And I turned on the TV, and Anchorman was about 30 minutes in. And I hadn't seen it in 10 years, and I put it on, and I was laughing to beat the band. Hey, can I tell you something? When you come home and you say, I need time alone, that's what the shed used to be for, for our dads. Yes, that's right. Dads of our age, they go, I, I need some time. They go out to the shed. and well, they, my, they, my dad wouldn't let us speak to him. things and whatever the fuck it was. I don't know what they were doing out there, but we had a one-hour window when my dad got home where we couldn't speak to him. I, I don't do this every night, but this was just a really bad night. Right. Um, I'm watching Ackerman, I'm laughing, and I'm just thinking like, and it's like I talked about in the last podcast with Steve Carell, you have these brilliant comedians, and they are wasting their their time 
when they could be viable comedians. Like Will Ferrell could have done nothing but comedies and then switched to drama, as could Steve Carell. Ferrell's all over the place. This Holmes and Watson looks like shit. Get Hard was terrible. Daddy's Home. Am I crazy? I don't think Holmes and Watson looks that bad. It's pretty bad. But it. But everybody's like, it's terrible. I must. I'm like, maybe I just was excited to see them doing a movie. Sure, and I'm gonna see it. But yeah. But uh, basically, Daddy's Home too. I was like, all right, it's got two new elements: John Lithgow, who I've always loved as Will Ferrell's dad, and Mel Gibson, who I have not seen in a big commercial movie in ten years for good reason. An interesting fact: Mel Gibson, who you didn't love until about three years ago, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until we started aligning politically. <laughs> yes, but you know, Daddy's Home too is just lazy and a big part of it is these guys who did these movies fucked me over five years ago in my movie career um who the guys who did daddy's home daddy's home too that's my they chose to do that's my boy instead of a movie that i had written that was ready to be shot okay Uh, that's my boy lost about 40 million dollars that's the one with sandler sandler yeah okay they also did the bad moms movies and uh you know, it's it's lowest common denominator shit, and I don't love Wahlberg, but like seeing all these people go through these motions is very tedious. The story sucks. The joke sucks. The set set pieces suck. Uh, you know, the only thing that's kind of funny you saw in the trailer when Will Ferrell has like a voice activated shower. I thought that was absurd. It's so stupid, but it's, it's like so- at least a recognizable bit. It's one of those things where it's like, even if this is a real thing, only somebody as rich as Will Ferrell would ever have it. Yeah. Like, I don't understand who's supposed to relate to this joke. Like, it's it's Me just neither. a terrible bit. And, of course, the movie made $200 million fucking dollars, and... I, I tell you, the the state of movies makes me just as depressed as the state of the world on a day-to-day basis because this movie is just so fucking lazy. Now, do you agree with Paul Schrader, who recently said uh, movie sucking now isn't the fault of the creators, it's the fault of the audience? Honestly, the audience doesn't want to see anything good, so we can't make anything good? Honestly, I don't go with him 100%, but I go with him a lot because I sure. think every one of these four-hour Avengers pictures that gets released that everybody goes to see and blah, 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 and then something comes out that everybody's got a lot of heat around, whether it's sorry to bother you or whatever else, they don't make any money. And I do feel in the 70s it was like Taxi Driver was a fucking hit. We right. need to go see fucking Taxi Driver. Right. Taxi Driver, by today's standards, is a dark and alienating and off-putting movie. We have the occasional good film slip through the cracks, but it's so rare. And just the, I've read so many articles about this, the the $40 million movie for adults is a genre that has completely been wiped away. It right. does not exist. If you're going to make a movie for adults, it's got to be Manchester by the Sea, and it's got to be made for $3 million. It can't be, you know... Like, like even the thrillers, Hand That Rocks the Cradle or L.A. Confidential, these are $40 million movies, but they'd get made and they'd be great. Um, and we are at a time now where it's either Transformers 12 or it's a very low-budget indie and you catch up to it. But the problem is that all these actors know now the only path to success and respect 
is these low-budget Netflix-style indies. So you're getting them slumming and doing these performances that don't feel real at all because the whole motive behind them, the whole motivation, is I'd like to win an Oscar. Nothing well, feels genuine about them. You get maybe three good movies a year. It's a very dark time for art in general. When I was thinking about what's my album of the year, I don't have a top two. I used to be whittling down a top 50. Right. I, don't, I didn't have two albums this year that I thought were even better than good. I uh, the, 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 And the tough thing now, too, is... I listen to everything. I would, my top album of the year was Cypress Hill's latest. Wonderful I haven't heard pe- that. Wonderful piece of work. I ordered it on vinyl. I haven't listened to it. Um, you made me a strong drink, too, here, Joe. I made a mistake, and I, I weakened it because <laughs> I poured too much in, and then sure. I... Oh, boy. Anyway. Um, yeah, no. The problem with a lot of this stuff is, you know, I saw uh, uh, Dweezil Zappa last night, as you know, uh, and he does the Zappa play Zappa thing. He plays his dad's it's a band he did tribute to his Frank Zappa's hits or whatever. Not hits, but, you know, Frank Zappa's music. But uh, Zappa's biggest hit was a song called Valley Girl. Uh-huh. Used in the films that Valley Girl? I don't know if it's in the movie or not, but, you know, it was a joke. It was about, like, Valley Girl. Okay, fine, for sure, for sure, she's a Valley Girl. And then the verses were Moon Zappa going, like, like oh, my God, that's just so grouty. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it was a joke. Mm-hmm. But before they play the song, Dweezil goes, this song came out in 1983. He goes, uh, I believe it was a warning for the wave of stupidity that was coming towards us. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, nobody seemed to heed the warning because back in 1983, it was considered a joke to talk like this. Right. And now people actually talk like this. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, he's right. Like, that is, like, I was listening to, like, this supposedly dated dialogue in the song. I was like, no, that's like how everybody talks now. And I think it's, it, it is a reflection on a lot of what we see in music and in art and stuff. It's like, Everything is very childish, you know, and and very, uh, I don't know, it's playful to a fault. Yeah, I guess is the way I would put it, you know. But uh, I mean, you, you I know. mean, look, my my job is anytime you try to do anything subtle or anything like, you know, where you just assume the audience will get it. The network's notes is, can we dumb this down to the point where you are holding the dumbest person's hand? And that's my job in a nutshell, and it makes me sick. And these are just the executives' hands we're holding, <laughs> folks. The standards have slid to such a low point. Music, movies, television. And, and, I, and it is not, because I sit back and make sure, because I would never want to be the guy who's like, the only good music is the music that was made when I was 22 or whatever. I listen to everything. I have a very open mind. I have a very thirsty mind that wants new and challenging movies, music, etc. And I am really let down by just about everything I see and watch and hear. Now, is that what you would name your autobiography, Thirsty Mind? That, that is what I have named my biography, Thirsty Mind. Okay. It's uh, it's called Thirsty Mind Open Ass, <laughs> the Patrick Walsh story, and the cover is me on my back like a crab with my legs spread eagle. It's in uh, adult bookshops. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Joe, do you have a picture I, for? Uh, I do, Pat. I okay. do. I watched uh, watched a little movie uh, called The Hunger. I've seen The Hunger, and st- I love it. Starring David Bowie and Susan Sarandon and Catherine Deneuve. Yes, 
that is a cool cast, by the way. Very, very cool. You don't get much cooler than, yeah. than that cast. That was as hip as it came uh, when this movie came out, and I believe 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful film. I really enjoyed it. Directed by Tony Scott. Uh, it really bummed me out when, watching it to realize we've lost Tony Scott. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think I ever truly appreciated what a great director he was until I saw this because I liked everything else Tony Scott did, but it was usually stuff like The Last Boy Scout. It was, it was, they were sort of fun, big action movies or whatever sure. that I really enjoyed. This, I was like, this is really, truly like an art house piece. And it's great. Uh, if you haven't seen it, the best way I could describe it is picture the neon demon if it was a good movie. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Uh-huh. It's it's a, it's very visually pleasing. It's got a very music video vibe to it. Um, a lot of nice work with extreme color and stuff in the shots and the settings. Uh, it's a vampire film. Um but it's just it's just a truly he takes it the one step further the guy that wrote it is also the guy that wrote um oh damn it he wrote the novel oh he also uh, wrote the novel of wolfen or or the wolfen which the movie wolfen was based on it takes it just a step further past that sort of tragic visual haunting beauty kind of thing and gives it enough of a plot and enough of an ending, enough closure, that you feel satisfied at the end of it. Uh, it's a very haunting film. There are some really, truly amazing plot twists in it. Uh, lesbian vampire sex. Lesbian vampire sex. Uh, Sarandon is terrific. Everybody's terrific in it. The person I was most impressed with, because it's not somebody that I look at as an actor first, was Bowie. Um, Bowie's not somebody I go actor for. I look at Bowie's a musician first, but Bowie's always pretty good and stuff. It's great in Labyrinth. I just bought Man but Who Felt Earth. I've never seen it. I'm going to watch that this week. He's great in this. Have There's, you seen that? No. Okay. But you know the whole storyline is basically he's a vamp. He's been turned. What's her name again? Sorry, Catherine Deneuve. Yes, he's been turned by Catherine Deneuve, uh, and she's like, "You'll be my lover forever." And this is this happened hundreds of years ago before the movie began. And then um, he realizes that she was not truthful with him and that what he does get is everlasting life. But what he doesn't get is eternal youth. And he at some point in the film starts rapidly aging and he becomes basically like a hundred fifty year old man overnight. Right. And but he's still alive and he can't die. And there's a scene where she takes him up into like her attic and she puts him in a coffin and then it reveals all these other coffins. And she says, my loves keep him company, keep him warm. And it's and you realize the, the she's loved all these men and women and whoever that are just still alive in this eternal state of death. Very haunting. Very, very cool film, man. Very cool. But Bowie, my point was, is. Bowie does a really great turn in the aging process. I, I, I really was impressed with his acting throughout that. All right. I liked it. Uh, I saw a picture called Creed 2. I no. want to see it. I haven't seen it yet. I'm a big fan, obviously, of the Rocky pictures. I feel like Rocky 1, 2, 3 to some extent. 
and Balboa are great movies. Four, I think, is cheesy shit, but entertaining as hell. Five is bad. I uh, like five better than four. Wow. Okay. I All mean, right. four is cheesy over the five at least gets back to some of the like grit of what Rocky is about. Well, there's a little treat in Creed 2 for, believe it or not, Rocky 5 fans. Really? Uh, they Don't have, ruin it. They have the Drago shit, which is rock for Rocky 4 fans. For me, Rocky 1 is unquestionably great. Rocky 2 is very underrated and great. And Rocky Balboa was fantastic. I think Rocky Balboa is the second best in the entire franchise. I might go there with you. I think the other ones are kind of hit and miss. I think Rocky or uh, Creed One was great. Yeah, I very much like Creed One, but kind of on its own thing. Creed Two, I gotta be honest with you, was a huge step down from Creed One. And Creed One, I already felt while entertaining, was a step down from the Rocky franchise at large. It's Stallone seems shoehorned in. He looks like an old woman at this point. <laughs> The plastic surgery is beyond the pale. I mean, he looks like a, a woman in Beverly Hills. It looks like he would be the star of Stop My Mom Will Shoot, but he would be now playing the Estelle Getty role. Uh, he's shoehorned in. There are two boxing scenes in the entire film. If you're a fan of Rocky Four and are excited to see this because of the Drago shit, you will be sorely disappointed. Uh, Drago himself is in the film. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, he's got like three lines. His son has maybe one line. But the big fight at the end is him and versus young Drago, is it not? Yeah, but it's like it doesn't... They don't do that well where you're like, hey, it's already kind of a buy that a guy would care that much about fighting the son of the guy who killed his dad or whatever. But... They don't handle it well. And the whole time you're kind of like not that involved and not that interested. The stuff with uh, Creed and his girlfriend, A, every woman in the audience gasped every time they showed Michael B. Jordan. That guy is going to be around for a long time. He's got, for women, he's got that thing where like whenever you see him, people like faint. Okay. Uh, he'll be around a long time. It's not enough to to make the movie on. The guy's got star power, uh, Tessa Thompson, who plays his his. Now, wife is good. Felicia Rashad is good as the mom. But, like, everything was done so much better in Creed. Honestly, it's a worse sequel than Rocky Two was to, to Rocky One. Uh, it's, a to me, a big slip in quality. If you were to take your dad over the holidays to kill some time, I don't think you'd be let down. But you definitely wouldn't walk out pumping your fist. And that's what I look for in a Rocky movie. I expected to cry. I'm in a very fragile place in my life, and I, I kind of needed the cry. And this movie did not get me within a million miles of it. I cried last night at the Weasel Zappa show. Okay. Hearing them nail a Zappa song that I'd never heard live. Yeah. It, it made me cry. Okay. Uh, I'll say this about Creed 2. I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. I will probably go with my folks over Christmas to see it. Um, by the way, it sounds like I'm shitting on it. I give the thing a B. I okay. mean, it, it passes the time. It's um, just not great. I'll say this about it, which I can't wrap my head around. And I was talking about this the other night in the bar. Rocky four 
at the time that it came out and the reason it's considered a classic and all that stuff was because we were at war with Russia and that film was looked at as America versus Russia. People saw Rocky as America, as the USA. He's wearing the the uh, red and white striped trunks and the whole thing that were Apollos and Apollo dies. And all that. They're looking at it as America versus Russia. That's why people love that movie. The fact that, impossibly somehow, the timing of this Creed II sequel lines up to when we're beefing with Russia again. I know. And they go, okay, we need to do a Creed II sequel. What can we do? They go, well, we're beefing with Russia. We could bring Drago back. What's the significance of that? Oh, Drago killed Apollo Creed in Rocky IV. We could have his son coming back now to avenge the death of his father. I can't even get my head around how lucky that is yeah. from a filmmaking standpoint. But they don't have any fun with it. No? Frankly, they don't have any fun with it. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Um, it is, you know, it's just like, I would say it's perfunctory, to use a, a big vocabulary oh boy, word. Boy, right. take it easy, would you? It checks its boxes. It checks its boxes even as like a bringing your dad to the movies on Thanksgiving movie. But it does not do anything more than that, and that's kind of a bummer. All right. To me. Go ahead, John. Uh, I don't have anything else for the movie corner this week, but I do have a new psycho and a scary stuff. Please. But I'm not ready to be done with mine, so I you don't have anything well, else. Well, you think? could do a third one, but I mean we're at we're at the thirty minute mark. I don't think it would hurt us to move into considering last episode we never got to Cam. All right, but I, I'd like to do another one. I've seen a bunch. All right, we'll do one more and then we'll move on. I want to do something good, and I will do a documentary that's airing on stars because I'm worried it'll leave. It's called Cutting Edge, the magic of movie editing. And I tell you folks. One of my favorite parts of running a show is editing the show each week, making funny moments out of things that aren't funny, uh, you know, g looping in a reaction shot and making a scene 100% more funny. I, I have become obsessed with editing. It's my favorite part of the job. And honestly, I thought I could stand to be more of an expert in this. I haven't taken editing since film school. So randomly one night, the Cutting Edge, The Magic of Movie Editing, was on Stars. I had already seen it years and years ago. It's narrated by Kathy Bates. But, boy, if, you have, if you're a film buff at all, if you have even a passing interest in movies, you likely never think about editing. They talk to all your big guys and some of your lesser guys, like the guy who does all the Paul Thomas Anderson movies, Boogie Nights, etc. They show you scenes and, like, they couldn't figure out how to make a movie work, but... Movies can be completely saved in the editing room. Stories can be saved in the editing room. Uh, something that doesn't work at all can be fixed in the editing room. And I just absolutely loved it. It's one of the, my favorite documentaries about the movie business I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It's on Stars. It's on Stars On Demand. Uh, I'm sure you can check it out somewhere. I highly recommend it. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a fan of movies and... It is a great look at one of the most integral parts 
of filmmaking that gets no respect at all. Yeah, I'll tell process. you this. Uh, I've been listening to an album on uh, Apple Music that yes. is a series. That's It's a full record a collection of Alfred Hitchcock interviews okay. on film, which anybody interested in film should listen to just because yeah. it's Hitchcock. one of the greats. Who's uh, interviewing him? It's a series of interviews okay. from all over the place. One of them is Tom Snyder. Uh, many of them are from English reporters, BBC reporters and whatnot, but there's one in one of the interviews, Hitchcock breaks down editing in the best way I've ever heard it broken down. And he goes, we call it cutting a film. It shouldn't be called cutting. It should be called assembling. Yes. Because that's what we're doing. We're assembling the final piece. And he goes, here is, he starts to go into the different ways of editing. Right. And the best example, my favorite example, at least, that he gives is he goes, okay, let's talk about like a simple sequence. He goes, you see the shot of a man. Then you cut to what the man is looking at. It's a shot of a woman with her baby in a stroller. Yeah. It cuts back to the man. He's smiling. This man is empathetic. He's sweet. He's very nice, right? And then he discuss. It's a famous yeah. test that was used in this documentary. Yeah. And then he goes. That Alfred Hitchcock stole, frankly. He didn't. He probably invented it. It was like a 1920s Russian test. Anyway, and then he goes. So then you take the same sequence. You take out the, what he sees yeah. and replace it. You, so you see the man, then you see him looking at a woman in a bikini or whatever. Right. Cuts back to him. He's smiling. He goes suddenly now. It's the same exact footage, but now he's a dirty old man. Right. And he was like, that's the importance of editing. Like, yeah. that's 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 the difference it makes. Um, it's tremendous. Yeah, I mean, to know, like, when, you know, when I get in there and I'm doing this, it's a difference of two frames that can make something funny or not yeah. funny. Comedy editing is the most important of all, really. I agree. Timing. You stay too long on something that's not funny. You stay too short on something that's not funny. I agree. Um, <clears throat> Great documentary. Check it out. Joe Scary stuff. Yes. Uh, playing a game on my Nintendo Switch. I believe it's available on all platforms. It's called Mutant Football League, the MFL, if you will. Sure. Uh, really, really fun game, man. If you if you are a video game fan and you like the sort of simple throwback football game, now it's obviously it's more complicated than this, but if you sort of like the pick up and play football games of the eighties and nineties. Um, you know, NHL 94 is famous for this because it was, it was, you could just kind of pick it up and play a hockey game. Tecmo Bowl, of course, was famous for this double dribble. These old school games where you could sort of just pick up, play a game and have some fun. This is a good game for you in the football sense. Uh, and if you're a horror fan, it's a lot of fun because obviously the name Mutant Football League, it's all the teams I play often as the uh, Heladelphia Evils. You know, it's all these yeah. goofy pun variations on football teams. Right. You play on these fields that have like volcanic explosions coming out of them and fire pits and stuff. And then the team, of course, is comprised by mutants. It's a really, really fun, just sort of pick up and play, bloody, violent game. Players die throughout the game. You can attack and kill the referee if you don't like right. the calls he's making. And then the commentary is funny. You hear a lot about video games where they go, this game's funny. I go, it's not funny. It's trying to be funny. But this game actually made me laugh like out loud a few times. Okay. 
listening to the commentaries and stuff. It's a very, very fun game, uh, and I suggested you can get it. I got it for uh, on a Black Friday sale for twenty bucks. Uh, you could probably still get it for that price, to be honest. But uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. And that's coming from a guy that's not a sports guy. I got to recommend downloading the Shutter app. Uh, they have great movies, and it's cheap. But they had the 13 movie Joe Bob Briggs Marathon, which to me, my favorite movie-related thing all year. I've had a blast going through them. A lot of stuff I'd never seen. The stuff you have seen, it's given a whole new life because you're getting interrupted at the commercial breaks by this guy who loves these movies so much. And then on Thanksgiving Day, I was here. I watched the whole marathon, and that was four movies on Thanksgiving night. Those movies were Dinners of Death, uh, one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, two, The Hills Have Eyes, The Ridge which mm-hmm. we can discuss at a later date. We are going to discuss Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Three was Dead or Alive, Takeshi Miyake's Dead or Alive, which was insane. Mm-hmm. I watched that. And then the last was uh, not, I believe, Blood Feast. Oh, wow. But wait, Blood Feast is the original. Well, like one of the first slasher movies, right? So this was not Blood, Blood Feast. Feast. Is, well, or Blood Diner, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Was it that one? This was, yeah, I believe this was Blood Feast. No, no. Blood Feast was in the original uh, Joe Bob Marathon. This one was called, bear with me. All right. But it was kind kind of odd because there are no Thanksgiving movies, no Thanksgiving horror movies except from the fake one in. uh, Thanksgiving. uh, Yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah. But Joe Bob did those three as well as. And you just can't. Well, we find got all it. day here, Pat. You just can't find it. Hang on, Take I got it. I've got it. Blood Rage. Oh, okay. I don't know what. Nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, that's the one I have yet to watch. But to see these movies with Joe Bob, Joe Bob gets emotional twenty times throughout these commentaries. Like he can't believe people give a shit about what he has to say. Uh, it's just been a very sweet experience. I've really enjoyed watching them. I've seen great slasher movies I've never seen, stuff I didn't even know about. Uh, I can't recommend enough getting getting Shutter for five bucks. And if you got some time off for the holidays, you know you could do a lot worse than sitting down and watching one of these marathons with your loved ones. They're sure. very fun. They're a great time. I recommend it highly. Sure. Um, all right. Great. Quick news, psycho. Jordan Peele yeah. uh, announced making an official sequel to Candyman. will be out next year. Um, Candyman, we've discussed it on the show. I love the first one, as sure. you do. Second one kind of sucks. Farewell to the Flesh, never seen it. Third one I never saw. No. But I am excited that he's doing an official sequel to the Candyman movies. And I he's would only... producing. It's a, it's a lady director. I assume it's a different writer. I think it's but... production companies doing right, it. Right, yeah. I can only assume that he's going to bring back Tony Todd and he's going to do like a real sequel to these things uh, out of respect for one of the most iconic black horror movie characters ever. Yeah. So I think it's very cool. I think it's very cool. And I think and I do think even when I was watching the sequel and I wasn't that into it, 
I did think like this is a series that deserves another sequel. Like it deserves. It's a it's a good idea. It's a good series. I think it maybe went a little off the rails, but uh, you know, it's it's almost like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, series where it's like, hey man, they're not all fucking winners, but right. Uh, but it's something that deserves some some thought and some perhaps revisiting. So, I I just think that's really cool that he's doing that. I'm excited to see it. Great, great. On to Cam. On to Cam. It's streaming on Netflix. Cam. Give the people a synopsis. Cam is basically about a cam girl, meaning a girl who strips for people online. Which was disappointing because I thought it was going to be about Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's Madeline Brewer, who I had never seen before, even though I have seen The Handmaid's Tale. I didn't remember her being in it, but... I mean, just a beautiful, very talented actress. Yes. The movie brings back like sort of an 80s level of sleaze and nudity. Uh, at one point, they're riding a dildo machine for five minutes. And I was like, holy Lord. I'm watching it alone in my house, like kind of looking over my shoulder, embarrassed due to my Catholic upbringing and shame. Looking over your shoulder at, at your own dildo machine. Yeah. I was, yeah. you know, looking back at the dildo machine I was riding. But. <laughs> Um, the movie for me, I felt like, well, well, hold on. But the synopsis is she, she's a cam girl and then something sinister starts to happen where she is seeing her own self on the cam network that, and she's not making the videos. Yeah. Somebody has stolen. She, her her whole drive in the movie is she wants to be ranking higher and higher in the top cam girls. And she sees a girl succeeding, basically using her face. And it's like, how did this girl get my face? Now, we'll get to the ending of this thing. But for the first hour, this movie was... There was a lot of very high-quality nudity. (laughs) And it's a sign of a great horror movie where like everyone is naked and everyone looks beautiful, but you're not aroused. David Cronenberg does this sort of thing very well <laughs> where you're just like, Ugh. yeah. Um, I have never ventured into the cam girl world. It's never been my thing. I just do straight porn, but um, it seems interesting and fascinating. And I see how guys lose all their money in these worlds and think they have personal connections the guy who plays the guy who thinks he's got a personal connection with this woman is very creepy and disturbing. And for about an hour, I found myself saying, this movie is great. I love it. I almost wish it was a documentary. Rashida Jones did a documentary about like cam girls that was, at the end of the day, just as exploitative as this, but pretended it was above it, and I found that offensive. This is like a pro-cam girl, pro-sex movie. Um, But then, folks, as interesting as it is, and it sure is, and also dealing with her family and when her family finds out that she's a cam girl, I was like, this should have been the movie without the horror element. Right. I wouldn't have said that if they had stuck the landing, but I can't think of many movies in recent histories 
that have fucked up the landing as much as Cam did. It's it's an embarrassing ending to this movie. Uh, <clears throat> the movie starts uh, with a riveting and disturbing scene where she's on camera and one of her funders or viewers or fans, whatever you want to call it, yeah. starts saying to her that he wants her to use a knife on herself to, to kill herself yes. on camera. It's very disturbing. Uh, eventually she does it. And then the reveal is, is that it was a hoax and she was joking and that she's not dead. And that sort of makes her fans go even crazier for her that she does these sort of death sex shows, right? These suicide shows, I think they're called, um, on camera. And then, as we said, eventually she gets locked out of her account uh, and somebody else who is her identical twin is doing shows and claiming to be her, but it's not her. And that here comes the mystery now, figuring out what the hell is going on here or whatever. Um, up until that point where she decides, I need to figure out what's happening here and who stole my my identity, literally... Um, she's a very, I find the character be, to be very self-centered and very shallow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, basically like enjoying this lifestyle of taking money from men that are clearly sexist and objectifying her. Right. And also are very sad individuals. Like, but you know, that's she's, the trade-off. I mean, that's I, the, I respect sure. her for doing that. That's the trade-off. You got to make a dollar. That's the trade-off. Um, but it's it's not a... I wouldn't say it's a great existence. No. In my opinion. No. Uh, she... But when she finds out this person has stolen from me, this person is taking from me now, and the sort of commentary starts about, well, who's taking from who? Who's taking advantage of who? Right. That, that whole thing. And, it, and, it, and then it starts to become layered. It becomes this very interesting story of like, wow, well, now is it going to be like a hostile thing yeah. where these this person at the center of this horror is sort of learning the lesson of like, well, fuck, man. Maybe what I was doing before wasn't the way to go. Maybe I need to now evolve and learn to be a different type of person. And unfortunately... As you said, the landing uh, is not stuck at the end. Um, the She does eventually find out that what is taking her identity is this sort of demonic force on the Internet or whatever. And she does beat it at the end, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. She does conquer this thing and get her own identity back at the end, which I think is great. But then the last scene in the movie is her mom making her up in, you know, in cam girl makeup and her turning to camera and going, oh, my God, I look beautiful. And she doesn't. She looks like a satanic clown at the end. She's got right. so much makeup on. And then she goes online and starts a new cam channel. And I just don't understand what the point of that is. You've gone against this sort of otherworldly satanic force that can steal women's faces and abuse them and take advantage of them online which they establish in the film right and then at the end of the movie instead of her becoming the warrior that goes 
I'm going to put a stop to this thing. I'm going to make sure that other women don't feel vic fall victim to this. She goes, no, I'm just going to do a new cam channel. And she actually says the words, if it happens to me again, I'll just make a new channel. And it's yeah. like, what? What? Yeah. I mean, to me, it was a very fascinating subject done in a very fascinating way up to the point where she's with that kind of John in the Mexican restaurant that was all very tense and he follows her into the bathroom and all that. And then when they bring in the supernatural element, it's like this movie is not there's there's nothing about it that that should have made it a supernatural movie. That to me was what threw me off. It was not done in a good way in my opinion. I was not happy with the direction it went. Maybe some were. I thought this is a very sexy, interesting thriller about something that everyone knows exists but doesn't know much about it. And that should be exactly what like a great horror movie should be. But when they brought in the supernatural element, I was like, all right, then I don't buy it. Everything about it was so grounded in reality. And they blew it by bringing in this like robot demon who's I didn't mimicking have a, her. I didn't have a problem with them bringing in the robot demon. That yeah. didn't bother me. What bothered me was they depicted the lifestyle of a cam girl. Yeah. And not one aspect of that lifestyle was positive. Right. Literally not one. The only positive aspect of it was the materialistic thing. Yes. And even that and it was, was written by a former cam girl. Yeah, I know. And even that was depicted in a negative light. Like the the big materialistic moment when you're supposed to realize like all what she's getting out of this yeah. is her on her phone as her mom is doing her hair and trying to like have a conversation with her and she's completely detached buying a $5,000 couch on her on her right. phone. Even that moment to me from the writing standpoint and the and the directoral standpoint and the way it was produced and, and conveyed was supposed to be telling the audience, look how absorbed this woman is in materialism. Yeah. Look how absorbed in, in what's not important she is. Yeah. And then for her to all of a sudden come to this realization of like, my God, this thing I worked for is not worth it, is is ultimately going to be my demise. I need to destroy it. And then she does destroy it. I thought was awesome. And then when she goes right back to it and goes, I'll just keep doing it over and over again. Right. Even if it comes after me again, it's like, to me that I'm sorry, that wasn't the lesson of the movie. I'm not saying cam growing is bad. I'm not saying doing uh, sex work for money is bad. I'm saying though, if you want me to believe that there's a reason for her to return to this, you better show me a, a little bit of a positive side to this in, in any aspect. There's not one positive element to it. Yeah, it felt very real and intriguing and interesting and then never kind of did anything with its premise. And I think there was a lot more that could have been done here. Um, I would like to share a quick story about work this week. About with my, cam growing? About my office. And I'm surprised I waited this long to tell Does it. Does it relate to the film? 100%. Well, okay. maybe. I walked in... So there's my floor, which has my my show, The Cool Kids, and The Orville on it. I have not seen The Orville. I haven't either. I went out to get my laptop out of my car. I come back in, and I go to the bathroom on the first floor, which is not my floor, so I don't know who's down there. But clearly it can bring in people from anywhere on the Fox lot. They're just, it's, that's where people are like, it's like Starbucks. Anybody can use that restroom. All right. I go in. 
I walk over to the urinal, and I realize that the guy in the stall is listening to either pornography or a cam or something at almost full full phone volume. That's upsetting. Sitting on the stall, and I'm hearing like porno music. And I walk up to the urinal. I don't even undo my pants. I'm just like sitting there listening like, what is going on here? Keep listening. And then I hear the man saying, and it's it's definitely him and not coming from the phone. Yeah, turn around, baby. Turn around, baby. Turn around, baby. So like he's talking to a video. So it's either a cam girl or it's phone sex or it's a porn that he's talking to, which is really weird. Turn around, baby. Turn around. I hear the sounds of a man masturbating. I'm I, I'm sitting in the. I don't even go to pee. I'm just like so flabbergasted by this. I hear him clearly stroking his penis, and then Joe, I start hearing. The man is spitting, presumably either into the toilet or spitting down on his penis to lube it up. That's so on his penis. I believe it's on his penis, and while he is doing all this, he is still shitting. And I hear this all. I don't even consider going to the bathroom. I know it's a lost cause at this point. But I'm like... Because you're too turned on. Too turned on. I'm like, clearly this guy doesn't know that I'm in here. I back up very uneasily. I walk out. But I didn't make... I made a lot of noise coming into the bathroom. It's like door opens, blah, blah, blah. I'm in. So I bring this up to the room, and they're like, maybe he was on headphones. Maybe he's on his lunch break, and he's on headphones and thinks nobody can hear him jacking off. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But really, like, we're we're in a, not only a uh, out and about in the public eye, this is a workplace. Yeah. Well, he's jerking it. He's spitting on it. He's talking to it. So I walk out, and I go, you know what? For whatever reason, I need to see this man's face. I'm going to stay out here till he comes out. Ten seconds later, a guy walks into the bathroom. He's in there for 30 seconds. He comes out, gives me like a wide-eyed look as if to say, did you hear this guy jacking off in there? Right. I gave him a look as if to say, yeah, I heard it, dude. Right. He walks off. A third guy comes up, goes in. He comes out looking very disturbed. I wait 10 minutes, and then eventually I got to just get back to my job. But I walk back in, because I know he never saw my shoes or anything. And he's still watching the porn, but on a very quiet level. So at some point, he realized somebody or people are coming in here while I'm jerking off. I'm just going to turn it way down. I mean, when you go into a restroom, you just have to be aware that with, in addition to everything else disgusting that could go on in a bathroom that you know about, somebody could just be spraying their load all over the goddamn seat. This is not a society that we're living in. Uh, yeah. That's it's a workplace. Yeah, no. Well, barely. I mean, disgusting. Barely. Well, and that's, I gotta say, that's my issue with the movie. Okay. Or sort of. <laughs> At the end of this flick, I'm sitting there going, what's the lesson here? I agree. That the greatest victory in life is taking 
money from misogynist pigs that if they do meet up with you, they will beat you right. and try to take advantage of you. Like, I just didn't get what the, I didn't get what the victory was. I just didn't understand it. And then this clearly, this demonic presence online was supposed to be this sort of ultimate version of a predator. Yeah, and it's like, but that it didn't work. It wasn't clear. It's like, why would you? So then, why wouldn't your thing be to fight this thing? Right. In in a different way than I'm just going to show my naked body again online, where it can just take my identity again. Yeah, I just didn't get it. Like I, I just, it started so great, and this is a movie that I thought was going to suck. I started watching this thing. I was like, holy shit! There was an hour of it where I, I was, was like, so into it. Man. If they land this, this is a really special horror movie, and like you know, one of the recent really good ones, and. They just didn't land it. They they set up so... And to their credit, because that's not nothing either. Movies are hard. Sure. Everything's hard. To their credit, they set up a first hour where it was like tense and believable. And, you know, you completely were on board with the heroine and interested in it. And they just didn't stick the landing. So that's not a failed movie. But no. if they had landed this thing and said anything interesting by the end of it we could have had a real classic on our hands i was waiting for the i was waiting for the nancy moment the nancy and nightmare on elm street moment i was waiting for the moment where she turns to freddie and says you need me to be afraid i'm not going to be afraid right and turns her back on him and he fails yeah i was waiting for that moment and it sort of happened. It well, it did happen at the end when she faces off with this thing. She beats her own face to challenge it to show that it's fake. Then right. she deletes the account. Like I'm like, this girl is going balls to the wall yeah. to like defeat this thing. And then when the when the epilogue is now, I just go back online again. I'm like, no, the epilogue should be you now going to other cam girls and being like get off of here because this thing's going to steal your identity. Again, not saying cam girling is wrong or bad. Well, I think I think I don't that, understand. I think that would be the takeaway in that scenario is that camming is wrong. And I don't think the girl who wrote it thought cam girling was wrong. I just feel like, why are you bringing in this supernatural presence only to end the movie in this kind of half shrug? They created something very intriguing and just didn't bring it anywhere interesting it's yeah and that's i guess that's the issue because at the end of a movie about terrorism you don't want to see a guy go you know you don't want to see bruce willis go go into hiding terrorists are out there yeah you want to see the 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 bruce willis guy go keep fighting so i get it you want to see this girl say keep fighting and not succumb to this thing right but when there's a fucking entity out there when you when you make the bad guy the entity that is undefinable and that will continue to do this, then I'm like, so what are you going to do? Just continue to break your face on the desk yeah. every time this happens? So maybe the issue is is not, it's not what she chooses to do at the end, it's the device that makes her do it, which is, okay, maybe it shouldn't have been a supernatural thing. It would have been better if it was somehow she traced it to this company sure, or that had a technology and then she took the company down and then kept camming. That I would have liked. 
Right. You know, if she stopped the thing, but she doesn't stop the thing. She just outsmarts it for a minute and yeah, then or like break away from the machine that like collects most of the money on these cam things and do your own thing. Or yeah, something. exactly. Own exactly. It. I mean, just spitballing, but the ending here was just really unsatisfying and honestly not 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 satisfying in terms of plot or in terms of horror or in terms of message or in terms of anything. It was just kind of not there i agree with you that's that's uh, that's exactly what i'm saying it's like we didn't get to see her take the thing down to then root for her for continuing to participate in the activity Mm -hmm. i wanted to see her take the thing down but to just go it was almost like the ending of like a it was like it was almost like jamie lee curtis at the end of the new halloween yeah if she had just been like well michael's still out there Oh well, <laughs> you right. know, like you're like, no, I need to see you defeat Michael, or at least think you have, right? So then you you keep going. That's what you get your strength from. Yeah. So um, anyway, Cam, not a bad flick. I'll give it a C, C plus maybe even. I'd I'd go B minus B for Cam because I thought for two thirds of its running time, it was one of the more exciting horror movies I've seen in a while. I I had a blast with it, and it's not just the nudity. I thought it was like. Something uh, uh, really shone a light on a world I was not familiar with and was very interested in and just didn't stick the landing. And at the end of the day, you know, it's better than most movies. It wasn't boring for two thirds of it. And that's saying something. Uh, So I think we agree. Two hogs sideways. Yeah. Mine's sideways and up. Mine's sideways. Straight sideways. I'm going to go on this one. All right. Folks, that's our show. Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. I'll be at Gotham Comedy Club January 5th, 6th, and 7th. Come on out. It's in New York City. If you are around, I'd love to see you. Also, uh, my first ever published fiction. Um, my stories used to run on uh, Fangoria.com, but they were just things I gave over to Fangoria, and they put them up on the website nicely enough. But Penthouse now... Uh, my column has changed. It's not an op-ed anymore. It's now going to be my fiction horror stories. And the first one ever is going to run uh, in January. It's called Wallace and His Checkerboard. And uh, I the first time I've ever been paid to write fiction in my life. I'm very excited about this. So bi-monthly, my stories will be in Penthouse starting in the new year. So check those out. They're all horror, sort of weird, you know, weird fiction. Yeah. I am at the Patrick Walsh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the Cool Kids returns. Uh, we have new episodes, I think, through Christmas, but also a lot of repeats as well. So, you know, check your local listings. But uh, some of my favorite ones coming up, and whenever it airs, make sure you seek out the Zodiac Killer episode, which is my favorite we've done. Check it out. That's it. We'll be back with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We'll be back with... Uh, what else are we doing? Probably Reanimator, but Reanimator might get bumped for a we'll Christmas-themed thing. We'll do them at some point. Yeah. But, but Texas we'll, we'll try Ch- to do a Christmas one. We've already done Black Christmas. We've already, we've already done uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. we got to find another Christmas. We'll find one easily. Don't worry about it. Uh, we'll see you next time, and we'll see you in hell. See you in hell. You know I will. I'll see you.